Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Perano. Today's guest, Jeremy File, is back on the show. We talk hoops, we talk life. Let's dive right in with Jeremy. All right, welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I'm here with uh, Jeremy File. What's up, Jeremy? Not much, man. It's great to be back on, man. I see you guys are doing some big things out there. Oh, you know, we just trying to do it. We just keep moving along, brother. Uh, thank you for being on. I got uh, I got some crafty questions for you today. Let's uh, let's dive right in. How about that? Excellent. I got some back for you. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm in. I'm in. So okay, so as as a skills coach, and then now. You know, in the last year being in Michigan, you were a high school coach and getting involved more into the coaching realm as like a unit. Um, tell me, how how do you get kids to buy into the system of moving the ball, like passing the ball? Like, like a, a good friend of mine by the name of Cody Topper told me, a, a, a student of the game should not hold the ball no more than 0.5 seconds. He should either, in that 0.5 seconds, he should either, one, rip and attack the hoop. He should shoot or he should swing. How do you get kids to buy into that? Well, I think it goes back to when I was taught as a young kid. I mean, this is a simple way to think. Usually... If you pass the ball and move the ball quick, you usually get it back. So yes. It was, one of, it was one of those things that it's a simple way of thinking. But I think that what Cody is, that it's, it's kind of the same way I think. If everybody's ready and in a triple threat position or they're ready for the basketball, then the ball's going to move quicker. So he's absolutely right. I think what we taught more was always be ready to make a play. When the ball's caught in your hands, know what you're going to do with it. If you're open, shoot the basketball. Because I think what happens is once you start shooting right away, now it's easier to pass because now teams are coming out flying at you, and then you can make a move where you go by or you can move the ball to pass. But I think the biggest thing is is I've watched teams like San Antonio Spurs, who were good for years, the Warriors now. When the ball moves side to side, that really puts pressure on the defense. And, and obviously now you're making people shift on the defensive end. And really in the NBA it's huge because – you know, they don't have, there's rules. You know, with the man-to-man, you can't have the defense of three seconds. You better move the ball side to side. Now you're putting the pressure on a guy guarding the ball because you got to think that way. If we move the ball side to side and we move it quick, we're really putting the pressure on the defense. I guess how you, the easy way to say it, though, how to get kids to buy in, I always said this, if you share the ball, you know, we're going to score so much more points if guys just share the ball. But you're going to be open more. You're going to be open more if the ball moves quicker. So I just think it's huge. I think it's key, and I think it's a weakness. I think it's a weakness that teams don't move the ball quick enough. Right, because what, what what I do see is every kid wants to be flashy. Every kid wants to be the next Kyrie and the Steph Curry, and I, and I get that because flashy looks sexy. But what, like I tell my son, is if you swing that ball, and like you said, that ball goes – three or four passes and by the fifth or fourth pass it comes back to you right it's easier for you to rip and go or shoot it makes the game slow down much more for yourself the game isn't you don't have to work as hard oh 
know, one thing I'll say, Andre, is this. I don't think people understand it because, you know, obviously with highlights, I mean, guys, how many highlight companies are there now? I mean, everyone's a highlight company. So what happens is you see the handles, you see, oh, the, the jelly finish, you know, all this crazy stuff. But what people don't, what people don't understand is someone like Kyrie's got great handles, but watch how he delivers the ball with a high post to Al Horford, how he cuts, how he gets separation when he doesn't have the ball. So then once he gets it, guys are chasing after him. Then he can really show his handles. So I think it's, the, you know, I'm glad we can do this stuff and talk more because that's what players need to understand. It's not always Steph Curry with the ball in his hand. It's Steph setting a great screen, then getting the ball, and then showing his handles. So that's, like, critical that, you know, more kids understand that part and that the ball is moving still. And then once they get it again after the third, fourth, fifth pass, then it's time to make plays. Right. You know, I, I think court vision is a big key in the game. And, um, you know, my, my son buys into it. He, he gets it. Um, like I said, I, I just noticed, like with my team, I kind of struggle with preaching. It's almost like beating a dead horse with that. You got 0.5 seconds. You got you to gotta move that ball. Um, so I was just figuring let me pick your brain and see what you do to teach that, to bring that out of them, to buy in. Yeah, well, one thing I didn't mention, and I, I wanted this to be uh, really important when we had this talk, was uh, the problem with high school or lower levels of basketball is there's not a shot clock. So typically what you see is you see two different things. You see some teams that play too slow, and then okay. you see it basically where they just throw the ball around and they don't know what to do with it when they catch it. They just hold it. And then you see the other way where you're trying to teach kids how to play fast and make good decisions, and then they make the wrong decision or they play too fast. And, and it's almost like playing with purpose, knowing what you're going to do. And instead of when you catch it, always put it right on the ground. Know that you might swing it right away. My college coach always had a great thing. He said, Gretzky the ball. I didn't know what that mean, obviously. Wayne Gretzky's a great hockey player. In hockey, you get an assist if you're the second guy. Like, if I, if I pass the puck to you, and then you pass the puck to the, to someone else, and they score, I get an assist. I wish basketball, we had that. Ah. So he would say Gretzky the ball, because Wayne Gretzky was a great first assist guy, where he assisted to one guy, and then because he knew if he passed it here, that guy could pass it to the guy who was going to score. So that's a drill that we would do, is we would call it Gretzky, where... Swing the ball once, swing it twice, boom. That that next swing should be where the shot is. So we would do a closeout drill where three guys would close out. And what we said is, if you're not going to pass it right away, drive it one dribble pass, and the next guy drives one dribble pass. So it's almost like a three-man drill we would do. We'd have a guy up top, and then uh, you know we'd have a guy in the wing, and we'd have a guy on one corner. We'd do the same size. So if you have the ball up top, there's a guy in the right wing, you either swing it quick, and that guy drives right and kicks it to the shooter. Or basically, you can even kick it to the wing guy. He can drive back left and then swing it back to the corner guy. And and when I say that is, this is something really important I learned from an overseas player. That pass that LeBron is so good at, where he drives left and then swings it right. Yes. That is such a great pass. And it's such good vision. It's great peripheral vision. And not a lot of players are good at that, man. They really struggle with going one direction, passing the other. And uh, so we did a lot of drills like that, where it was simple three-on-three, three, you know, one swing, one drive, one pass, shot. 
and now you're playing at a higher, faster level where if you go to college, man, you only got 30 seconds now. So you might bring the ball to court, get pressured for seven or eight of those seconds. You might get into your set, you know, and boom, that takes 10 seconds off. And there might be getting down to six, seven seconds on the shot clock eventually. What are you going to do? Yeah. So, you know, it was tough. We would do like five-second drills. You got five seconds and you got three guys. You guys got to make a play in five seconds. So those are fun drills, you know, and, but it's something that's got to get better. Great. I'm loving that, man. Shoot, we, we could we could end our uh, – we could just end our podcast on that, but we won't. <laughs> I got a question for you, though. We're doing it different today, so. Okay, what's uh, up? Andre, I got one. Well, you know, we got a few, and uh, and basically, you know, you being a dad, you know, we're both you know, fathers, and, you know, my son's only one, so he's not dunking yet, but he will be soon. But uh, how do you balance the fun being a dad while also trying to be a coach to your son and having goals for him? You know, that's a that's a great question. And, um, you know, the the balance, it's tough because, you know, when, when I'm home, I'm dad, strictly dad. Uh, when, when we're on a basketball court, obviously, or if we're at, you know, doing some skill work, obviously I'm his coach. Um, and I, de- I demand the respect just like any other kid that would walk into my facility on my team. Um, I want him to go hard. Um, I'm going to get, I know I'm probably harder on him than I am most kids, but that's because, it's not because he's my son and and I, I strive, I want him to strive to be great. It's that I know how he can play. I, I've seen him be great. So therefore, right. if, if you see greatness in a kid, it could be any kid. You, you expect it often or you, you want it if they're if they play 32 minutes of a game you, you want all 32 minutes to try to be great right so that that that's where that comes in um, but other than that his goals those goals are something this is pretty cool so Elijah now um, in our in our house he has a uh, a closet and on the closet it's a it's a mirror and he got a dry like a dry marker you know like a erasable marker yeah and I said hey man on on this on this mirror I want you to write your goals down so he writes down his goals and so when I know that he's not training hard enough or um you know, becoming a better point guard. I, if I, f- I feel like he lacked in three or four days out of the week, we go back and I show him that. Right. I say, look, now you got to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day. And you got to tell yourself if you did good or if you're lacking in an area today. If you didn't give it your all. Maybe you didn't give it your all today, but then if we're going to practice tomorrow, you got to give it your all tomorrow. Because at the end of the right. day... Those are your goals. Those aren't my goals. That's right. what you asked for. So you're not lying to me. You're lying to yourself. And that's how I that's how I talk to him. I preach to him just like that. So I go at the end of the night. You look up there and you tell me. You know, did did you do 15 minutes of, of ball dribbling? For the five days a week that we said that you put on your goals, did you shoot 250 jump shots? For the four days that you said you were going to shoot. Do we go train 
conditioning two days and did you give it your all those two days? So every day he has something there and he checks it off and then he, you know, wipes it off and then rewrites it and those are his goals. So that's how that's how I do the goals. You know, those are for that's him. Awesome. Yeah, that's for him. It's not for me. You know, if, if he came up to me one day and said, hey, man, I'm done playing the game. Hey, then you're done playing the game. Right. You know, but in, until he says that and I truly believe that he loves this game just like you and I do, almost like a second religion, I would say, okay, man, well, there's the mirror. When you when you go to bed at night, you have to see that mirror. You got to look at yourself one last time. So don't yeah. lie to yourself. So that's how I set up the goals that way. Well, I think what's so cool about what you just said, Andre, is, you know, your son will always remember that because it's almost like metaphors or the way you describe it where it's, it's kind of like it's going to hit you because it's deep. And my dad would do things like that to me. My dad was like the character though so he would set up <laughs> this is just a quick story he would we would go to the, this YMCA where I was from and there's a lot of good players that that would play there so he would always bring me up there when I was really young and then uh, I was probably a little younger than Elijah and I, you know he'll never forget these things you're saying that's what my point is and I'll never forget my dad this one time had one of the players that would play there and he walked up to me and he took my ball and I was just hanging out on the sideline and uh, he said hey thanks man and he left and, you know, I was a little, like, shocked that someone just grabbed my ball and walked away with it. And uh, my dad looked at me, and he said, hey, what's wrong? And I said, uh, that guy just took my basketball. He said, well, what are you going to do about it? I said, you know, I didn't know what to do with it. I was 25, 30 years old. <laughs> and uh, he looked at me with a seriousness in his face. He said, don't ever let anyone take your basketball, ever. Nobody takes your ball. And... Uh, it was like a life thing. It wasn't a basketball thing. Right. It was more of a, you, know, you stand up for yourself or, you know, if someone's going to try to steal your ball, whether you're on that court or not, nobody ever take it. Long story short, one of my friends I played college with, he goes, we were always wondering who that weird kid was in the corner always protecting the ball and no one guarding him. You know, <laughs> it was, he's stealing my ball, you know. I don't, I don't blame like, you. But at 33, you never forget that. You know, you have all these stories. You know, Elijah will always have stories with basketball. That's why I think it's cool that you're a dad, but you're a coach. And that's why I asked that. I think that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's that's just something I figured I would do for him on on the goal side. I, I can't I can't give him his goals. You know what I mean? Because if I right. if I were if I was the one to say, okay, our goals are our goals are, but they're not my goals. I'm not playing anymore. Then yeah. they're, they're fake goals, man. Yeah. Well, you know? I got another one for you, Andrea. Um, you know, what do you think is the most important? You know, you have a young son, obviously. So my question is, what do you think is most important for a young player in those early years of developing as a basketball player? I got two, and I see it every day with my son. Now, look, my son is definitely not the quickest. He's definitely not the most aggressive. Because, I mean, I got some kids on my teams, they're like bulls. They're like trains. They're just, they're going to go. And yeah. they're gonna they're gonna hit like a you know, like a Mack truck, and that's amazing, and and I wish he was had that more courage to do that, um, but he's not, and that's okay. But the one thing that I that I did develop with my son, and and I do give credit to Ryan Rizuki, and I do give credit to Jordan Lolly because they do help me out with them, um, is one is his ball handling. You got to be a great ball handler and you can't be 
Like if you're right-handed, you can't just keep dribbling right. I got yeah, some absolutely. kids that they go right, they go right, and they're very good ball handlers. They'll get that ball back to their left, and immediately after two dribbles, it's right back to their right. Yeah. Elijah's very good. He's great at dribbling with both hands. So number one, you got to be great as a dribbler, a ball handler, with great footwork. Number two, and this is another big thing, as a as a student of the game, I think like we talked about earlier, it's court vision, being able to pass that ball. So many times on my 11U team, I got some great athletes. They dribble, they'll hit a nice combination, but once they start attacking the hoop or they do a spin move around a guy at midcourt, I catch them looking down. And I gotta tell them, chin on rim, chin on rim. Where yeah. I don't have to tell E that. E is very, hit you with the uh, killer crossover, and he's looking up to who to pass to or who's open. He's looking at, okay, if I'm open to hit this jump shot, I'm going to take the, the mid-range. Um, if there's a guy attacking me, who's open? And he'll, he'll try to get him the ball. So those are the two things I think are number one. No, that's key. I, I always use it in very simplistic terms. Uh, there's only one guy that scores. You know, now there is guys that set screens. There is guys that pass. There is guys that can handle the ball. So I think you're kind of spot on because if you can't dribble and pass, what are you going to do when you catch the ball? And if you're only a good shooter and they're right up on you, if you're in big trouble. Exactly. So, so as far as a ball handler and a, and a, and a playmaker, a guy who can see the floor, those are just everything now. And, um, it's, it's a different game, too, in a way where everyone wants to play that way. And we, we put so much focus on ball handling. Well, you better be good at it then. And those better be huge skills. So, yeah, that's that's great stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, like you said, as a shooter, like if, if you're a shooter and you're a knockdown shooter, well, if you're playing against a team that has lock-up defense, what are you going to do? You're not a playmaker. You have to wait for somebody to create for you. So... I do, I do think dribbling the ball, handling the rock, um, and not over dribbling, but just dribbling the ball, you know, being able to slow the dribble down and then speed it back up, and then obviously that court vision to pass. Those are the big key sure. things for young kids. But I got a question yeah. for you now. Yes, sir. Okay, so, you know, when, when we played and grew up, you know, kids are always at the gym. So, what what's the what is so important about playing either a one on one game or a three on three? Like, I love to play three on three. Like, what's the importance of that? Well, I think now, from what I know, I can tell you that I played a ton of one on one basketball. It was key for me for two reasons. And again, I'm gonna stay very simple. Uh, it helped me on defense. You had no help. Now you better figure it out. You better stop that guy, and you better be able to stay glued on to someone, and you better be able to contest everything without help. So that was key. I played a lot of one-on-one. I played one-on-one full court. Now you're working on conditioning that way. So, yeah. So, so you know, that's another thing that people don't talk about a lot. When you play with only a few players, you got to cover a lot more ground. So you don't have, you know, you got more conditioning now. Like, people don't realize how three-on-three is actually a great conditioning workout. Because now you got to cover more ground, but you got to help out a guy who got beat. Because it's a lot like a one-on-one game, 
you got you got two guys on one side doing some action. You're guarding the ball. You ain't got help now. So that's why it's so important. And then you can also really learn those situational things with three on three, where you know if you play three on three and you set a good pin down, you know how to read off of that. It, it breaks down the game in more simplistic ways. You know, Andre, when I played basketball, I didn't play a lot of AAU. You know, I've been pretty candid about that. We played a hundred three on three games a summer. We played Gus Macker three on three. We played five tournaments, you know, a summer, and it's like we played like eight to ten games each time, and then we were always playing three on three with you know with our friends. So it's like it seemed like we were playing over a hundred games of just three on three. And then we still play five on five pickup, um, where I'm pretty excited that they're bringing three on three back. Three on three is kind of hot again, and with the with the uh, the big three. And then, you know, you look overseas, they have that uh, FIBA three-on-three. It's an Olympic sport now. Yes. I mean, that's for, you know what's so cool about basketball is this could be an opportunity in a career for someone where I can tell you right now, Jeremy File ain't getting signed by the NBA tomorrow, but I might be able to be good enough to play in three-on-three. Right, exactly. Because, because, you know, maybe in a half-court game, I'm more uh, useful because I can shoot, I can handle. Um, I'm strong enough to guard the post. You know, because it is more of a post-up game. At three-on-three, you notice that. Look at the big three. I mean, that was a banging inside league. I mean, holy cow, that was that was old school in a way. Absolutely. So, uh, I think it's great for post-up, too. And, you know, we're going to talk about that, obviously, in a little bit. But I think it's great for learning how to post-up as well, playing off the post. And uh, and then one-on-one, that's, that's man stuff. Yeah. You, know, you don't have help. It's personal. It's an attitude where I'm not going to let this guy beat me. It's me and her Sam. So, yeah, those things are huge with both of those uh, situations, one-on-one and three-on-three. Perfect. Loving it. Loving it.